Okay, and welcome to the Parkour Earth podcast. I'm your co-host, Hedge. And I'm Adrienne. And continuing on our most important theme for the podcast, where in the world is Adrienne today? Where am I today? I am in a little village called Achmor in the Isle of Lewis off the western coast of Scotland in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it's an especially beautiful little bit of nowhere, that one. It is. It's basically just miles and miles of empty moorland. Very boggy for hiking, but very beautiful. And lots of magical, metholic, uh, I can't even say it, megalithic sites. There we go. <laughs> um, these old ancient standing stones and old traditional houses and a really beautiful community. I got to go to a community center last night and sing a Gallic song with some of the locals so that was very fun you will not be hearing me sing but it did happen <laughs> all right and what are we going to be talking about today adrian so today we are going to dig into the background of parkour earth we are going to be talking about how it came to be what the organization has been up to since it was founded and to do that we've got a special guest today parkour earth ceo damien puddle on to talk about the organization's history. So welcome, Damien. And before we jump into talking about the organization, do you want to tell us a bit more about yourself for those who don't know you? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, it's my first time on the Parkourist podcast. Very exciting. Uh, yeah, I'm Damien. I volunteer as the CEO for Parkour Earth. I started doing that uh, in August. I was one of the founding transitional directors for Parkour Earth and for the last uh, it was about 2013 I've been doing the same sort of role for Parkour New Zealand our national body here in New Zealand and um, I did my PhD looking at the globalization of parkour and understanding the impact of a range of different elements of, of parkour's spread and how that impacts on the experience in New Zealand and I'm just sort of generally fascinated and interested in parkour and governance and research and, um, yeah. And you're now the unofficial president of our Discord. <laughs> False. <laughs> uh -huh. All right. So before we jump into parkour specifically, uh, let's take a step back and talk about the global parkour community. How did we get here? What are some of the key events that kind of led us up to parkour earth? Can you summarize to the best of your understanding how parkour came to become a global phenomenon? It's a really simple question. <laughs> <laughs> so in the beginning, so you have... Probably I'll start with parkour was developing in France. It was starting to spread to a few other neighbouring nations. And when when Jump London aired, and then uh, not too long after that, a couple of years, 2005, YouTube was built. And so then there was all of a sudden a platform to put videos and things on the internet. And I think that was a big catalyst for which people uh, were starting to then see and interact with parkour digitally uh, because you didn't have to be in in France or in in the UK and some of the places where it took off initially and so that is a very very brief version of how it spread really because as soon as it was on YouTube it went everywhere 
but I mean, it, it was in uh, you know a few different films. But if I talk about the New Zealand context, for instance, it was primarily YouTube that people saw it. There was a few random you know people who might have seen the Yamakaze on a uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not you know video even earlier people who did see jump london or or jump britain but yeah youtube was a huge catalyst in spreading it around the globe and now it seems to have moved strongly onto instagram as well absolutely yeah great so can you now sort of moving a little bit forward can you talk a little bit about who founded parkour earth Specifically, I think what we'd love to better understand is how those initial conversations to form the organisation came about. Where did it spring from? Who talks to who first? Sure. Um, so I suppose one of the things that I didn't mention in the whole, in that very short introduction to the globalisation of parkour is that initially you just had individuals from nations and that started to snowball as different people got together they connected with one another there were forums and tools in which people were collaborating and connecting and eventually organizations were forming some in some cases they were businesses in other cases they were non-profits and uh, parkour nz also uh, say the australian parkour association was founded in 2006 2007 um, so fairly early on uh, in that history parkour nz was 2011 um, so you have the establishment of uh, national bodies that the communities are coming together to develop to support the practice in those nations and i think as early uh, from my understanding as early as maybe 2003 or 2004 there have been attempts to establish international bodies to support the development of parkour and there's been a, a, a range of attempts since that time to connect the community together and and do something from that collective perspective but none of them really took root uh, i think a number of them were you know based in specific locations and didn't kind of have the buy-in from the wider community and so um, for one reason or another they didn't really take off and so in 2017 when fig announced that they had intentions to create a new discipline and that parkour uh, so was sort of heavily featuring in that. It was a little bit ambiguous as to whether parkour was inspiration or whether parkour was the target. Uh, it didn't take too long to understand fully that parkour was the target. But during that process, heaps of people started talking to each other even more than they already were connecting. And that started to culminate in something, you know, maybe we should, looking around a number of the national bodies were thinking we should build something from the ground up that is built by us, represents us, and actually has the flavour and the buy-in from the community in a way that what Figure's doing doesn't have. And so there's sort of a, a number of aspects to that, you know, that already national bodies were aware of each other and talking with each other. There was already an intent kind of globally amongst various circles to establish something meaningful but they hadn't had that success just yet. And then FIG as a prompt and a catalyst to go, actually, okay, let's think really seriously about how we can do this. And that ended up with the development of Parkour Earth. Great. And I can't imagine there's anyone listening to this podcast who doesn't know who FIG is, but just in case there is, <laughs> FIG is the International Gymnastics Federation. And obviously the controversy around FIG is a big topic of conversation in the community since 
2018. When, when did we start to see the gymnastics community becoming interested in parkour? Like how did that sort of unfold? Can we dig a little bit more into that? And how now that Parkour Earth does exist as an organization, how is it engaging on this issue? I'm not aware of all of the inside details in terms of what Fig knew about parkour and at what point the you know the presentation that they talk about in their initial press release when they you know the dates for when they received that but they talk about being aware of some of their national gymnastics federations who affiliate to them having an involvement with the parkour community or even having parkour under their banner um, in some respect and so countries like Sweden and the Netherlands and then a little bit later, I think Belgium as well were sort of held up as gymnastics communities and federations who had parkour as a as an element of what they were doing. And so FIG identified in that early press release that these organisations were already doing great stuff with, with parkour. And so it made sense then for them to do this on a, on a global scale. But I don't know all of the sort of mm-hmm. time stamps in terms of when those things took place in those individual nations. So we have a large collection uh, within Parker Earth um, of early blog posts and press releases that you put together. When was it, Damien? A few years ago, um, which we'll attach um, to this podcast for those who want the exact times and dates of the various back and forths that happened. We have collected them all. Yeah, it's, it was initially on my personal website, but we've republished it on Parker Earth because I don't um, run that domain anymore. But it's a it's a very in-depth timeline, especially for 2017 to 2018, um, of all the goings-on from the very beginning. Okay, great. So, Damien, you've given us a little bit of the background on FIG's engagement on parkour. How is Parkour Earth uh, responding or sort of working on this issue? So one of the first steps was literally the founding of Parkour Earth because one of the challenges was that FIG basically articulated that they were really going beneath themselves communicating with the likes of Parkour UK who was the first to kind of vocally or vocalize the opposition to what Fig was doing because Parkour UK was a national body so having an international body opened up sort of communication channels to to have that conversation that was at least a little bit more respected than a national body and so that initially started with um, having open letters Uh, the intent there was to do it publicly and open so that the parkour community and any wider community looking in could see what conversation was going on uh, and then to share that with the rest of the community so that they were as much aware as possible as to what was happening Um, and so that has sort of been the approach taken to date to keep it transparent and open so there's been a range of those communications there was a meeting in november 2017 between parkour earth and fig at their headquarters um, with the intent um, to come to some kind of resolution with them acknowledging that parkour was distinct from dis- gymnastics and separate and and, and sovereign etc that was unsuccessful they decided to continue what they were doing and so there's been a range of uh, of different means in terms of trying to connect with uh, organizations in the broader sport community who um, have i guess themes around integrity 
as parts of of what they're interested in. None quite feature exactly into our situation, but things around doping or things around athlete activism, a range of different things there where they're trying to stop corruption and a range of different things. And so we've engaged with some of those bodies to try and tell our story, um, engaging with media to make those things more visible so it doesn't just get brushed under the rug and sort of swept away and, and, and hidden like it did with a range of other action sports who got snapped up by by larger bodies so uh, that's been one of the pieces of work that has included a conversation with the IOC um, and recognition of research that talks about the value of engaging with grassroots federations and communities to develop action sports rather than going to the traditional communities and uh, some of the stuff that we're doing more more recently is, is is really digging into the local or or the national stories of how national bodies and national communities are connecting with their gymnastics bodies um, because there's a range of of experiences you know some gymnastics bodies are, are very aware of the situation and also disagree with, with with the situation but they are part of a much bigger movement um, and so it's really interesting to hear those stories and and compare those to the stories that where the gymnastics federations are are towing the party line and doing exactly what figures is suggesting they do and so collecting those things is is really those stories sorry are really valuable for park Earth to understand the best way of supporting national federations in their contexts but then also understanding how we continue to uh, communicate with the likes of fig and other international bodies And that's a big piece of it too, right, is helping communities in different parts of the world form these national governing bodies that can then become members of Parkour Earth or other sort of levels of membership. Absolutely. So we've been really clear from the start that we don't want to solicit membership or force membership or be the ones that are actually essentially building it in a country and then joining ourselves because that would be inappropriate. But how... Yeah, how we provide that support to organizations that might be already starting or communities that are thinking, how do we form, how do we build something that has our voice at the heart of it and so we don't get consumed by this uh, gymnastics juggernaut. One of the things that I've been looking at a lot right now in Parker Earth is the fact that there are structures in place that allows an individual who wants to work with us engage how people who have collectivized into small organizations can engage with Parker Earth and then how that can build all the way up into what the full affiliate at the national governing body looks like and trying to kind of find a way for wherever you are on that pathway to engage. And I think that's a really important bit of it for me you know, because I think that's how it, Parker Earth develops the teeth to really be able to push back and represent an awful lot of people. What sort of steps do you think uh, we need to be taking now in order to have the the international heft to really be able to push back against FIG at this stage? I think one of the things that's really important to understand is that the thing that they have, like, you know, when people are scared about, oh, what is FIG doing and how do we fight FIG, is that they uh, they have a relationship with the IOC and they are in a position within the Global Alliance of International Sport Federations, or GISIF, where it, it they are in the easiest position to suggest parkour for the Olympics. That's essentially the only thing that they have. So in everything else is already within 
the realm of the parkour community itself. The parkour community has built its own competitions for those that are interested in competitions. There's been businesses and coaching organizations for a long time. There's national federations. There's a range of, um, you know, just a grassroots training community of people coming together and doing their thing. Um, and, and a whole range of different kinds of initiatives to support this wide community. And so it's important to understand from that get-go they kind of only have one thing. It's that Olympic tier level, the closest to pitching it to the Olympics, whereas everything else is still in the hands of the parkour community. And so to really have, to make the biggest difference, I suppose, is to recognize that and not to all of a sudden get scared that all of a sudden all of that is going to disappear. Um, and to recognize that actually doing this work together um, has been the most meaningful thing so far and don't stop it. And so it's about supporting that stuff to continue to happen, whatever that looks like within in, in local localities, within nations, continents, etc. Speaking of all the great things that Parker Earth is doing and wants to do, uh, what do you think are the main achievements that Parker Earth has had so far? I think being able to f- initially f- coming up with a concept or an idea that people have started to buy into. Um, you know, the parkour community is, is, is very diverse uh, and there's a lots of opinions um, and it doesn't take too long before we're debating what parkour is again. You know, there's, there's so many different personalities and people with different histories. You know, um, my experience is completely devoid of any connection with the founding, you know, with the founders, for instance. And so um, all, all these different experiences. So to be able to put forward a platform that could have buy-in, I think, is pretty cool first and foremost but uh, since then with the onboarding of different members which we're very excited about and being able to tell those different stories from different nations and their experiences and their histories um, is and ignoring the things that we've done um, with FIG as well would be identifying the value of being community led and actually doing something about that I think there's a lot of um, intent in different kinds of organizations to to do that and to to consult with the community as such. But we don't want to just consult with the community. We think we are the community. And so for that to be true, the community has to be involved in steering what Parkour Earth does and who we are. And so that really kick-started the global engagement project that we we started last year, which was getting federations, getting business leaders getting personalities and and um, professional practitioners and just grassroots everyday people who have an interest in parkour for one way or another uh, and getting them to tell us who do you want parkour earth to be what is the most valuable thing for an international federation uh, in your context and how would you want to support that how do you want to be involved how do you want your voice to be recognized and be a part of that and so that was a really valuable start to continuing that process of building an organization uh, that is not only highly relevant and necessary and meets the needs of the parkour community but is contemporary and doesn't make the mistakes that other international federations have made um, and is being transparent and democratic and open yeah, so it is the latter half of 2021 at this point in time. You've just onboarded us a, a brand new team. Uh, and 
we are starting to make plans for uh, the next few years and the next potential decade of Parkour Earth's work. Can you maybe overview, Damien, from your perspective, what Parkour Earth is going to get up to and start doing over the course of the next few years and how we're going to take this call to action a little further, what the next steps are? The Global Engagement Project opened up a huge range of, of possible action points for the organisation and, and the global community to um, take steps towards. And so because they're, even now, you know, it takes a long time to, to build up uh, the momentum and, and the necessary foundations and frameworks to do a lot of that stuff, you know, policies and, and procedures and legal stuff we need to do and financial things we have to do and um, and not simply because we're an organization that's registered but because we're an international organization with members from all over the world so there's a whole lot of more boring things that I get to focus on as the CEO but the the coolest thing you know we've just um, published our our vision mission and values and so and that speaks immediately back to that content and all the stuff that we were hearing from the community and and you know, that vision is a connected and empowered global parkour community and so if that's our vision as an as an organization is how do we help support that connection how do we how do we make that a reality how do we empower the global community and so in addition to the broader uh, strategic planning work that's happening at the moment that uh, we aim to have finalised before the end of the year that we can share more widely is those steps on connection. And um, and so one of the biggest and coolest things there is, is the development of a, of a Discord server uh, that creates that possibility uh, to connect not only the national federations with each other and with Parkour Earth, uh, but any individual who uh, has a passion and interest of connecting with Parkour Earth and, and supporting us, whether that's volunteering and supporting the growth of the entity or just wanting to know, stay abreast or even challenge us on stuff. You know, this is meant to create a, uh, this is a two way conversation. Um, and so we want to connect with the community uh, and make us accessible um, we're not suits behind closed doors. We're just other practitioners who have a passion in supporting the community. Yeah, and um, obviously Adrian and I now have come on board and we are working hard to both understand what Parker Earth's role is as well as working hard to reach out and talk to as many people as possible. So one of our jobs right now is just to get talking to everyone. And as part of that, we're creating this podcast and so what we're trying to do with this podcast, we hope, is help people understand what Parkour Earth is doing, lift the veil a little bit, let them realize that we are just passionate practitioners who want to really help the community and create a connected and empowered community, hopefully. Definitely. Well, um, Damien, is there anything else while we have you that you would like to share just in general with the community? Anything else you want to say about Parkour Earth and what we're up to sure um yeah one of the things that i, I guess i'd like to share is lots of people uh, certainly in the the earlier years of parkour earth people coming and saying what are you doing you know what are you going to do what are you building and what are you doing now and and that had a range of perhaps motivations behind it sometimes people were specifically interested in what competition what international competition framework are we building in opposition to fig or or anything like that and initially we were very careful not to do that 
in any respect because that's exactly what Fig did and that's exactly what everybody hated was going and making these massive sweeping decisions for all the community and saying we know best and so what we're saying is that you the community know best and so you have to be part of that picture and so um, that's why when we talked before about you know the membership in Parkour Earth it's not just national federations nor is it government recognized national federations but we go down all of these different tiers we have the government recognized federations we have federations that have no government affiliation we have communities that are wanting to form federations we have communities we have provision for spaces where there's no interest in forming a national federation at this stage or even the capacity to do so because of the size of the community or the culture of the community. And then we're looking at those opportunities for how an individual practitioner engages and is part of this, not necessarily membership as such, but um, part of the system and that their voice is being heard. Um, and so I guess I put out an invitation to, to come and be a part of that, join the Discord and come and talk to us and be a part of what we're doing and tell us what you're doing and tell us how we can help you and um and just keep this dialogue going because that's how we create something that's really really beautiful yeah i think one of the things about parkour earth that i constantly need to remind myself is that we're doing this through grassroots we're doing this well and therefore it's going to happen slowly and that's a wonderful thing that's a a fairly beautiful thing because it will create something much more genuine and much more authentic in the long run. Absolutely, and I've had advice, you know, from other professionals in the in the sport international and, and national sport fields that have essentially given that advice. You know, when when you hold all the cards in terms of authenticity, in terms of you know connection with your community, in terms of that cultural and, and social capital then take your time. Do what you need to do to set up those those procedures and processes and frameworks and things like that because you don't have to be scared about being authentic because you are who you are. Well, I think that's a really beautiful note to end on. Yeah, thank you all for joining us at the Parkour Earth podcast today. That was our episode with Damien exploring uh, how we came to be here, the story so far. Uh, I've been Hedge. And I'm Adrienne. And I'm Damien. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time.